Hi, I'm Holly. And I'm Danielle. And you're listening to the Spooky Hour. <laughs> I just wanted to shake it up. I don't know. <laughs> you always do this really great head bobble. It's my signature dance move. It is. Hello, friends. Hi, friends. <laughs> welcome back. Yeah, welcome. Um, I actually looked at our downloading map. A downloading map. I looked at the, the map. country yeah, thing that tells us where people are downloading us from. And holy shit, UK, you're killing it over there. Thank you. Hi, friends in the UK. We love you, and I love your scones. UK UK landers. Yeah, and we're also like spreading almost in all of the states now, which is wild. We're basically the coronavirus, but cooler. Yeah, <laughs> we don't kill you. <laughs> oh my gosh, and none of it too. Oh yeah, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, so. For those who are, for some reason, unfamiliar with this fact, we're Canadian as heck, and uh, none of it is, like, so far and, like, so, like, isolated from us. And so remote. Yeah. So that's really cool that you guys found us. Send us a message if you're from none of it. We want to say hi. Yeah. Thank a. you. A. <laughs> I remember I tried so hard to get a job up there. Couldn't get one. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Like, animal related? Yeah. I tried so I hard. Yeah. No, not I. I like the cold, but that's a bit much. Oh, I'd love it isolated away from everybody it's great okay that part i like i will give you that (laughs) um so i have a little story to tell everyone um so i know last week we were saying how my dog basically we fund the the local vet i don't mean to laugh it's not funny but what the fuck yeah um and i said i would like lose my house for her because i would she's my baby but I guess she took that way too seriously. Like, she fucking heard it. I know she did. And she's like, I'm going to test this bitch right now. Um, <laughs> you want to be homeless, mom? <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, she, We had her out literally the next day after recording um, out in the field across from our house. We're working on a recall. So we're playing fetch. And I don't know if she, like, turned weird or got her foot, like, stuck in, like, a divot when she went to go run. But basically, long story short, she popped her knee out. Um, she is, we took her to the vet, the emergency vet. And got a bunch of x-rays. She has a medial luxating patella. So that means her kneecap <laughs> keeps popping out. But it goes say back Say that in. ten times fast. I can't, I can't even say it once. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, she's on bed rest for ten days. Lots of meds. Um, Friendly reminder, she's a husky on bed rest. <laughs> yeah, and she's not even two years old. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. I'm not, I haven't been there yet, but she's sending me snaps and stuff. And it's literally like watching an injured toddler. <laughs> yeah. It's brutal. And if she doesn't get better in 10 days, we're going to have to get her some surgery, unfortunately. But it will make her better, and that's all that matters. Go find me coming soon. Yeah. (laughs) Help me. I'm poor because of my dog. But we love her. She's adorable. Get well soon, Kailu. I know. My heart's broken for her. So everyone sends It's so sad to watch. Right? Everyone sends positive. 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 Paw. paw get it yeah. positive yes paw my my list Sorry. my list popped in and the fuck up made it really cute so positive paw. yeah um all the this vibes funny. towards her because she's actually a miserable bitch right now she's so sad she looks really her. really sad yeah. she doesn't look like herself it's kind of heartbreaking so like it's not funny it's just kind of like one of those things you have to laugh at because you just can't believe it mm-hmm. <laughs> And yep. then on the opposite end of the scale, my dog saw a squirrel and broke my toe, so... Yeah. <laughs> polar, polar opposites here. <laughs> Happy Friday, guys. It's been a week. I'm drinking... Uh, I know everyone said wine on our poll, but I got a cider instead because I needed something juicier. I'm literally so exhausted. I'm drinking iced coffee right now. <laughs> yeah, she was. She's an iced coffee fiend, even in the winter. I don't usually drink in the afternoon because I won't sleep, but one, it's Friday, and two... I can't see. I'm so tired. So I was like, I can't do this without coffee. Yeah. Coffee or die. Literally. But yeah. So. And with that, speaking of death. <laughs> Are we going to jump into it's some me. craziness? <laughs> yeah. So today's case actually takes place close to our home. Oh, hi. It's Holly. We're talking about murder. I forgot to say that. Um, <laughs> usually I start with like true crime or some shit, but no, no right into it. We're jumping right um, down your throat this week. Yeah. I like that. Um, So today's case takes place close to home in the York region of the GTA. Uh, So this is basically a part of Toronto for those of you who aren't familiar with the area. It's like a, not a suburb, but just like they're too lazy to call it all Toronto for some reason. Um, So this was another case that I'm actually completely unfamiliar with until now. I hadn't heard of it, but it's 
absolutely crazy. It's just as twisted as some of our like well-known cases. Y'all ain't ready for it. So today I'm going to tell you about the murder of Bic Pan and the attempted murder of her husband Han Pan. I so the heard Pan fam- You have no. Oh, I thought you said you have. I was like, shit. No. <laughs> there goes my whole facade. No. <laughs> um, so the Pan family immigrated to Canada from Vietnam. Uh, Han immigrated in 1979 as a political refugee. And Bic was also a refugee, but uh, they, there's no date given as to when she immigrated. So they immigrated separately, but met in Toronto and fell in love and did the whole marriage and a baby thing. That's so cute. I love that. Yeah, they they were really cute. Yeah. They're such a cute couple when you look at pictures of them. Um, it makes me sad. So they had two children, Jennifer, who was born in 1986, and Felix, who was born in 1989. I fucking love that name. Felix? Felix, I love it. Do you? All I think yeah. of is Felix the cat. <laughs> That's probably why I like it, but I fucking love it. True. <laughs> um, so the Pans worked very hard. They actually worked at the same place, which is adorable. Um, they lived very frugally in their sort of early years as a family in hopes that one day they would give their children the life they deserve. By 2004, Bick and Han had saved enough to buy a large home with a two-car garage on a quiet residential street in Markham. Uh, he drove a Mercedes-Benz and she drove a Lexus and they accumulated $200,000 in their bank. Good for them. I'm not jealous. I am. Good for them, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm not jealous. <laughs> but they uh, they did the thing. They worked really hard to make it where they were. Um, they were really, really strict parents. They weren't necessarily mean or abusive. But according to their daughter, Jennifer, they were, quote, tiger parents. Uh, so this term is used to describe Asian parents who have high expectations of their children. So we all know the stereotype, but now we know that there's actually a term for it. Um, I don't know if it's an offensive term, so my apologies if it's offensive, but this was taken out of an article that Jennifer called them tiger parents. It's quote, um, it's quote just quotes. It's not us Quoted. <laughs> um, the pants... Uh, thought that if they worked hard to secure a good life for their children, then their children need to work even harder to carry that legacy on. Which, kind of fair. Like, they worked really hard to get them that house and all that stuff. So I can understand having some expectations, but apparently they were quite hard on on their kids. Sorry. Um, so Jennifer took her parents very seriously and grew into a determined young girl. No matter what she tried, she excelled in it. She had top marks in school. She had lots of trophies and medals from sports. And she started playing the piano when she was only four years old. Talent. Yes. I could barely speak at that age. Um, Her parents put her in figure skating with the hopes of eventually competing in the 2010 Winter Olympics. But she ended up tearing a ligament in her knee, which ended that dream. Uh, Some nights during... I know that. Sorry? I know that pain, and I feel that. Oh yeah, you were in hockey, yeah. and you frigged your knee up. Yeah, I did. Aww. I I started figure skating when I was young. I did like I was in like level three at the highest, and I went face first into the boards and knocked myself out. And my mom <laughs> refused to let me back on the ice after that. This is also the girl who drove her bike up a tree. So okay, listen. Someone cut my brakes. True story. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that, Holly. <laughs> anyways um, so some nights during elementary school so again elementary school this is grades kindergarten to eight um she would go to school come home uh go to skating practice until about 10 p.m and then do homework until midnight before heading to bed what so she fuck? was very dedicated to all of her like uh extracurriculars and all that she really wanted to succeed in everything she did um, so while it seemed as though she was floating through life in the number one spot, the pressure began to grow really heavy on her. By the time she was in grade eight, she began self-harming. Um, Jennifer was expecting to win awards and be val- valedictorian. That was really hard for some reason um, at her grade eight graduation. But despite her efforts, she actually received no honors and was not named valedictorian. And this was a really, really heavy blow for her. Uh, she sort of like put herself through the ringer for this and when she didn't get it, it just kind of crushed her. Um, so she was very upset, but she never really let it show. She went on to high school and she fit in rather well. She was bright, popular, and she kind of seemed just like your average happy teenager. Um, there's quotes and articles from people who knew her saying she like didn't have one specific friend group. She kind of, everybody liked her. She would yeah. float around from group to group. But yeah, behind the scenes, uh, that was obviously not the case. Um, A lot of the time she was hiding her crippling sense of failure from those close to her, especially her parents. She would tell her friends that she didn't want to stress her parents out by not living up to their expectations. 
Um, allegedly, after not placing at another skating event, Jennifer's mother's Bick noticed that something was off with her. Um, she told her, quote, you know, all we want from you is just your best. Just do what you can. So Bick kind of seemed like the, the softer parent. Okay. Um, she sort of realized that maybe they were going too hard on her and tried to reason with the husband a little bit. Um, so Jennifer continued to struggle with her mental health and her grades started to show she was averaging, are you ready for this? 70 in most classes. Damn girl, you did better than me (laughs) completely. Um, with the exception of music where she was still the top student in her class. Personally, I would have loved to show that report card to my mom, but Jennifer just didn't want to bring something so quote, disappointing home to them. So she ended up taking old report cards, did some arts and crafts and brought home a fake report card showing A's across the board. Well, I wish I did that. I remember one time I came home with a math grade of 11% and I thought my mom was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> I got something really bad once too. I failed math so bad that they wouldn't let me take summer school. I had to full on repeat the whole class yeah. the next year. Um, and then in my defense, um, in high school, my dad was in the hospital and he was very sick and I was getting a 7% in English. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> the guidance counselor called me down and she's like, Holly, no disrespect. Don't tell anyone I said this, but what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, and here I am writing a podcast. I can speak the English. Yeah. Um, You're doing well. Anyways. So her parents had no suspicions of her grades and how bad she was really suffering, and life kind of just went on as normal. Uh, As Jennifer made her way through high school, rules started to become more strict. There was no dances allowed, no extracurricular activities that were not already approved by her parents. Her parents would then attend those extracurricular activities with her. No sleepovers, no partying, and definitely no boyfriends. Um, You're basically isolating your child. (laughs) This is like making a serial killer. No, literally. And the worst part is, is it's not coming from a bad place. Like, no, they weren't. I don't want to say they weren't abusive because obviously it was affecting her mental health, but they didn't mean to be like mean about it. Yeah. They just really wanted their kids to do well. But like but isolating them like that like is a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so her parents wanted Jennifer to be protective and successful and deemed all of these things as, quote, distractions from the main goal. According to an article from Toronto Life, quote, by age 22, she had never gone to a club, been drunk, visited a friend's cottage, or gone on vacation without her family at 22 years old. I was drunk at like 14, so. Literally. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my parents gave it to me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, so in grade 11, Jennifer broke one of her parents' rules when she met Daniel Wong. He was a year older than her and played in the school band alongside her. They started out as just pals, but one day, this is the weirdest way to like start a relationship, but Daniel helped Jennifer survive an asthma attack, and that was just so romantic that they fell in love and began dating against her parents' wishes. It just brings people together. My mom has asthma, and I've seen asthma attacks, and man, they're brutal, so... <laughs> but he helped her he talked her down uh he stayed with her until help arrived and all that and it's kind of like a like a teen romance movie a little bit i, was gonna I say, guess it's like a, it's like one of those like hallmark movies yeah yeah exactly cheesy so, but cute adorable um <laughs> luckily their relationship seemed to have no negative impact on her life as she continued to excel for the rest of her high school career or so they thought uh, Jennifer actually continued making fake report cards all the way through high school. She just couldn't bring herself to show her parents, um, her not even that bad marks. Like she was still getting like seventies and she was like, I'm so ashamed. Um, <laughs> so she was doing fine, but she was still terrified to show them. Uh, she received an early acceptance letter to Ryerson university, but then she actually ended up failing calculus in her final year and wasn't able to graduate. The university withdrew its offer and she simply could not tell this to her parents. Uh, this would shatter all of their hopes and dreams they had for her. So she still let them believe that she would be starting at Ryerson in the fall. Uh, For those who don't know, Ryerson University is one of the biggest universities in the downtown Toronto area. Uh, I think there's like a million campuses down there. Yeah. (laughs) She said her plan was to do two years of science, then transfer over to U of T's pharmacology program, which was her father's absolute dream for her. He was so happy he bought her a laptop to help her with her studies. 
Uh, to keep her lies alive, she pretended to attend Frosh Week in September of that year and doctored papers stating that she was receiving an OSAP loan and convinced her dad that, oh, OSAP is student assistance in Ontario, um, and convinced her dad that she'd won a $3,000 scholarship. She did not. Um, she would leave the house all day and sit in libraries, taking notes from books to show her parents, pretending that they were notes from her lessons that day. She took up a few jobs serving at restaurants and teaching piano to kill some time while still gaining an income. And in order to make her lies stick, she fed the same lines to her friend and would complain about her parents meddling in her, quote, busy school life all the time. Holy shit. She, kept she was, this, like, committed. She kept this up for two whole years. Holy fuck. Before telling her parents that she was accepted into the prestigious pharmacology program at U of T. She was not. She asked her parents if she could move in with a friend closer to the downtown core, and surprisingly, they agreed. Um, however, she was not actually living with her friend. During the week, she stayed with her boyfriend, Daniel, and his family in the suburbs outside of Toronto. Weirdly enough, in the town that Danielle and I grew up in. Ooh. Is where her boyfriend lived. That's so creepy. <laughs> um, and I had no idea. So she lied to her boyfriend's parents as well, saying that her parents were totally fine with this arrangement, despite the fact that they never came over to visit, like Daniel's parents had asked several times before. So they would constantly be like, hey, we want to meet your parents, bring them over for dinner. And she'd be like, oh, no, they said no. But it's fine. I can stay here. They, they said I could stay here. That's so... <laughs> wow. So after two more years of this, and so now we're at about five years of creating this fake life. What's she going to do when she's supposed to graduate? <laughs> like, Literally, it was time to graduate from U of T. No, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer and Daniel hired someone they found online to create a fake transcript that was full of A's to show her parents. When it came to the ceremony, Jennifer told her parents that the extra large class size meant there weren't enough seats. Graduating students were only allowed one guest each, and she didn't want to like pick a parent, so she gave her ticket to a friend. She did not. <laughs> and her parents were like, yeah, it's fine. No problem. Yeah, her parents thought nothing of it. I just... She must be a really, really convincing liar. Um, so finally, her lies started to fall apart. During her fake time at U of T, Jennifer told her parents that she started volunteering at Sick Kids Hospital, which, if you remember, we featured Sick Kids Hospital in another episode. Um, so they were super proud of her, but Han noticed something kind of odd. She didn't have any scrubs and she didn't have a security key card to like beep the doors open at the hospital, which most staff do have. Um, he grew suspicious one day and insisted on driving Jennifer to the hospital for her shift. He instructed Bick to follow Jennifer in, but Jennifer saw her mother behind her and hid in a bathroom until they both left. Han later called the friend Jennifer told them she was staying with, but the friend said she hadn't been there ever. She'd never been there. Um, <laughs> so when her parents could, it's all it, like all at once, it just blew right up in her face. Um, when her parents confronted her, Jennifer confessed to the lies. Most of them, she confessed that she did not volunteer at sick kids and she had never been in UOT's pharmacology program. And she also told them about Daniel, which was brand spanking new to them, but she left out that she never graduated high school and that her time at Ryerson was a lie. So they only think she was lying from like, u of t on wow yeah <laughs> um her parents obviously did not handle this well and imposed even more rules on their now adult daughter which is a whole other can of worms um han wanted to kick her out of the house but bick insisted that he let her stay if she followed these rules they took away her cell phone and laptop for two whole weeks an adult a full-grown adult i was gonna say what the fuck <laughs> After which she was only allowed to use them under her parents' supervision. She was no longer allowed to see Daniel, and they ordered her to quit all of her jobs except for teaching piano. They even went so far as to track the mileage on her car to make sure she wasn't going anywhere she wasn't supposed to. That's absolute psychotic. That's crazy. Insane. That's crazy. Like this is where it starts to get a little bit weird because like she's an adult. Yeah. But at the same time, they've been funding her entire life that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know I, I don't know what i would do if i was them but um she remained on house arrest with only her mother to talk to really uh her mother was much more sympathetic than han and allowed her to sneak her phone away to send some texts while her father wasn't around uh it was during this time that she posted the following facebook statuses quote living in my house is like living under house arrest and quote no one person knows everything about me and no two people put together knows everything about me i like being a mystery Sounds like me in high school, to be honest. Very poetic. 
Um, she started sneaking out of the house to visit Daniel. Very weird to be 24 years old and sneaking out of the house like a disobedient teenager, but as you will. I was going to say um, that, so that's, I can't wrap my my mind around that. That's so fucked up. I just, 24 years old, like. I mean, they made her this way in a, in a way they did, but then at it's the true. Time, it's, it's true. It's like, true. Yeah. Um, so Daniel did not like this either. And he gave her an ultimatum, grow up and get out of your parents' grasp or I'm gone. And just like that, the relationship ended. He moved on fairly quickly to a woman <laughs> named Christine or Katrina. So there was two articles that mentioned this girl. One said Christine, one said Katrina. Don't know her actual name. It's he moved on, though. <laughs> Maybe he moved on to both. Who knows? <laughs> oh, this this bastard. Um, so Jennifer was obviously devastated by this. She couldn't stand that Daniel was moving on. So she came up with even more lies. Uh, trigger warning here. Uh, this is a little gross. Uh, I don't like it, so I'm warning you guys. She told Daniel that a man had knocked on her door and flashed what looked like a police badge. When she opened the door, she says a group of men rushed in and allegedly gang-raped her in the foyer of the house. Um, A few days later, she claims she found a bullet in an envelope in her mailbox. Both instances, she alleged, were warnings from Christine or Katrina, whoever she is, to leave Daniel alone. Daniel chose to continue his relationship with Christine, but also continued to send flirty text messages to Jennifer behind his current girlfriend's back. Um, he confessed his love for both women, which was incredibly difficult for Jennifer to grasp. Um, so she almost like guilted him into keeping into contact with her. Yeah. Yeah. Which is all kinds of disgusting. And also, if um, that didn't happen, why the fuck are you lying about it? That's, you never lie about no, something like that. Ever. Never. That part really rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like that. Um, So this is where everything starts to take a very dark turn, uh, as if it wasn't dark enough. On November 8th, 2010, at approximately 9.30 p.m., Bic had just returned from a night of dancing with her friends. Fun fact, they were line dancing. How cute is that? Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer went downstairs to say goodnight to her mom and then unlocked the front door, went back upstairs, and turned a light at the front of the house on and then back off. Around 10.05 p.m., the front door opened and three men with guns burst in. The intruders came right for Bick and Han and directed them both into the living room on the main floor. One of the intruders found Jennifer in the hallway upstairs, instructed her to give him around $3,500 in cash that was hidden around the house, and tied her to a banister using a shoelace. So she was upstairs while her parents were downstairs. Okay. Um, after demanding cash from Bick and Han, the other intruders dragged them to the basement, covered their heads with blankets, and shot them multiple mm-hmm. times in the face and head. The intruders fled, leaving Jennifer alive and tied up upstairs. By some miracle, Jennifer was able to wiggle her phone out of her waistband to dial 911. The call is actually available on YouTube if you want to listen. Um, I don't want to include it because it does get a little bit graphic. Um, So warning, it's disturbing, but it's easy to find on YouTube if you're into that. (laughs) She was crying for help to the 911 operator when suddenly another sound can be heard. Han Pan somehow managed to free himself, crawl upstairs, and open the front door to scream for help, all with a bullet lodged in his face. Oh, my God. Um, In the 911 call, you can hear him screaming, and it's just bone chilling. Like, she's, she's on the operator, and you just hear, like, wailing in the background, and it's like... Like, I tensed up a little bit when I listened to it. I'm not, I'm not. Um, what's that? I can't listen to it. I couldn't do it. I, it's, it's awful. Um, emergency crews finally arrived and Han was airlifted to hospital in critical condition. Sadly, Bic Han had already passed away. She had three bullet wounds in her head. Uh, Jennifer was brought in for questioning twice, but released. They even asked her to show how she managed to get her cell phone out while tied up, but she did manage, uh, to do it. There's footage of this also available on YouTube. Um, they have, like, but pol- no, so they, um, they have footage of her police interviews oh, in a, okay. in like one of those YouTube documentary things. And they ask her like, so this is like their first flaw in her story is like, if you're tied up, how are you getting your phone from your waistband? And she did it. Like, she showed them how she did it, and, like, it, it made sense. So they had no choice but to let her go at this point. Okay. Um, but they still didn't quite believe her story. There were certain things that Jennifer just could not explain to them. For example, the keys to Han's Lexus were in very plain view by the front door. If it was a robbery, why did the intruders not take the car? Also, why was the front door unlocked for these intruders just to walk in? They knew it would be unlocked as they weren't they weren't carrying anything on them. They didn't even have ties to restrain their victims. The shoelaces were all taken from the victim's house. So these men came with just guns. That's it. No hammer to get in. No, like, 
you know what I mean? No tools to break in. They knew it was going to be open. Yeah. And most important, why would they shoot two witnesses but leave one alive upstairs? These suspicions caused police to track Jennifer in the weeks following the event. Uh, so they had a tail put on her, basically. Or a trail? Tail? A tail. How do you say it? <laughs> We're just going to give you a tail. <laughs> I thought it was a tail. Someone followed her. <laughs> <laughs> However, they didn't follow her for long before the most damning evidence came forward. On November 12th, her father, Han, woke up from a medically induced coma and he remembered everything. Holy fuck. Which is uncommon in shootings involving the head. That just gave me shivers. Uh, Like, I just got goosebumps. Oh, it's, it's gross. Um, so he told police that he found it very strange that Jennifer was speaking to the intruders in a friendly, familiar tone. She was not afraid of them. He also claimed that Jennifer was not tied up at the time of his shooting, but that she was walking around the house with the intruders, almost as if she was part of the group. Ten days later, police called Jennifer in for her most intense. Intense. <laughs> <laughs> Ten days later, police called Jennifer in for her most intense questioning session yet. They basically told her that they knew she was involved, but they just couldn't figure out why. Finally, she broke. Uh, she folded over with her head in her lap and said, it was supposed to be me. Uh, so there's also footage of this on YouTube, and it's it's crazy to watch. So she just starts crying, and it's just it's gross. Um, so Jennifer confessed to calling a hit on on someone but claimed that it was actually a suicide attempt gone wrong she wanted to end her own life but couldn't bring herself to do it so she hired some old friends from high school to fake a robbery and kill her instead she claimed her parents were never the intended victims but obviously this doesn't make much sense if the exact opposite happened um police arrested her in the spring of 2011 i'm not sure why it took so long to arrest her but it did um and started going through her cell phone activity it started back in the spring of 2010 when she reconnected with an old friend from high school she told this friend about her home life and how unhappy she was and her friend made a comment about wanting to kill his own father which sparked an idea in jennifer's head this friend was a little bit rough around the edges he was a drug dealer and into gang activity and he knew some people um So he introduced her to Ricardo Duncan, who offered to kill her parents for $1,500. $1,500 to kill parents. That's fucked up. Um, She collected the money from her piano lessons and paid him in full when he suddenly stopped replying to her. Duncan claims that this is not how it happened, though. He says that she let him borrow $200 for a night out and he repaid her right away. He claims she did call him screaming one night and asked him to kill her parents, but he said no and was very offended that she would ask him that. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i think to be honest that he probably just talked her up and was like yeah i'll totally give i'll totally kill your parents just give me 1500 bucks i'll totally do it and, and then, then he's just, just like the money oh. yeah <laughs> i think that's what happened um but later she told her boyfriend daniel all about this and they came up with another plan daniel Wait, suggested daniel was they involved just now he just came in so he didn't know that that first part okay but now he's now he's involved so she confessed and was like this happened and this guy took all my money and didn't kill my parents my life is so hard. Um, so Daniel suggested that they follow through with the original pa- plan of killing her parents and collect their estate. Jennifer's portion alone was $500,000. Keep in mind, he's also still dating Christine at this time. So he's all sorts of gross. Um, so Daniel gave Jennifer a spare iPhone and SIM card and connected her with an acquaintance named Leonard Crawford, nicknamed Homeboy. <laughs> Jennifer asked... <laughs> I have to add that. Ridiculous. (laughs) Jennifer asked what the going rate was for a contract killing, to which he replied, quote, 20,000, but for a friend of Daniel's, it could be done for 10,000. What a steal. Wow. Wow. You get a discount, (laughs) sweetheart. Absolutely disgusting. Um, On November 2nd, Daniel texted Jennifer saying that he felt as strongly about Christine as she did about him. She texted Daniel saying, quote, so you feel for her what I feel for you, then call it off with homeboy. Uh, side note all of the texts are available to like read in an article so after she said that she wanted to call it off with homeboy daniel responded quote i thought you wanted this for you jennifer replied to daniel quote i do but i have nowhere to go daniel wrote back quote call it off with homeboy you said you wanted this with or without me so he's like still encouraging her to do it even though he's breaking up with her even though he's dating someone else This guy sounds like a piece of shit. Yeah, so he's a scumbag. 
And Jennifer replied, quote, I want it for me. The next day, Daniel texted, quote, I did everything and lined it all up for you. It seemed like Daniel wanted out of the arrangement, but still wanted it to happen. Um, so, however, their relationship continued and the text messages changed from this talking about murder and they started to, like, flirt with each other. And later that day, a text from Homeboy came in that read, quote, I, guys, I'm sorry if you hear my dog. She's old and senile and sometimes she gets lost in the house. <laughs> So a text came in from Homeboy later that day that read, quote, I need the time of completion. Think about it. Jennifer wrote back, quote, today is a no-go. Dinner plans out, so won't be home in time. So gross to read out loud. Over the following week, there was a massive text and phone conversations between Jennifer, Daniel, and Homeboy. On the morning of November 8th, Homeboy texted Jennifer, quote, after work, okay, will be game time. And then the attack played out as planned jennifer unlocked the doors then signaled to the assailants using the light in the window so remember i said she turned it off and on sketchy she was telling them it was go time so the other attackers were later identified as david Migelan and eric cardi and our good pal homeboy crawford uh, the trial took place on March 19th, 2014, and lasted almost 10 full months. There were over 50 witnesses and 200 exhibits to go through, and Jennifer took the stand for seven straight days at one point. Um, her story changed from attempted suicide to, quote, Okay, I know these texts say I wanted to kill my dad, but I tried to call it off, and I didn't mean it. <laughs> but you planned it, bitch. Yeah, like, but what? but that one time she was like, no, so that's it's fine. <laughs> so how this works? <laughs> so Jennifer was charged with first degree murder and attempted murder, both with life sentences. She is serving concurrently in jail. As for the other assailants, they all received the same sentences, including her boyfriend Daniel for his involvement in the hit. Good. Um, Get the out court of my ordered. <laughs> The court ordered a non-communication order banning Jennifer from ever speaking to her family ever again, but she put out a statement through her lawyer saying if her family ever changed their mind, she'd be open to speaking them, to them again. So sweet. If, um, what so about her, her brother? Her, he does like a victim impact statement and stuff, but he is not really involved in the story much other than being sad, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so her father is very, very lucky to be alive, although he doesn't share the same sentiment. He put out a victim impact statement saying, quote, when I lost my life, I lost my daughter at the same time. I don't feel like I have a family anymore. Some say I should feel lucky to be alive, but I feel like I am dead too. Uh, his injuries have left him unable to work or live a normal life. He suffers from anxiety attacks, insomnia, nightmares, and nearly constant pain in his head from being shot um he's been trying to sell the family home he worked so hard to buy but a house with a violent history is pretty hard to sell he couldn't bring himself to return there so he's been living with relatives ever since the incident uh jennifer and daniel are both eligible for parole in 2035 when they will be 49 and 50 years old and i hope you don't get parole assholes what the fuck i hope they don't either i had no idea that happened yeah like, i don't even remember being like a huge story or anything no and it happened it, what did i say 2001 or something like it wasn't like old yeah and the trial happened in 2014 yeah 2010? or 2011 2011 yeah. is when the trial was and i had never heard of this case but it's a pretty twisted one That's like really who fucked up. goes through that much effort first of all of like faking a robbery yeah that girl's an absolute psychopath absolutely and now did her and parents make her a psychopath hmm <laughs> a little bit i would say i would i don't think it helped yeah i yeah i i think she's like a product of her environment but at the same time i don't think again that they were trying to be mean no i don't think like so I, either i just think it was obviously a lot of pressure but i just don't think it was coming from a negative place necessarily even though it was a negative thing yeah no i agree yeah yeah that's very up. sad story though um she obviously didn't expect her father to live so that's... I like how she's like, if my her, my family wants to talk to me, that will be fine. Like, bitch, you just fucking try to kill your parents. Ruin the family. Like, are you kidding me? Absolutely insane. Over a boy. <laughs> like, like they it... didn't want her dating, so she was like, I will kill you. Sis, men are not worth it. No, not at all. Holy fuck. Man, people are fucked up. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's that one. That's nuts. Good job. That one blew my mind. That did. I don't know how I found it, but I'm freaking glad I did. <laughs> it's like it's and it's really close to home, so it's really unsettling. No, like very close. To, like he lived somewhere in our hometown. I'm like half tempted to find out where. But <laughs> yeah, 
I don't think he went to our high school. I hope not. How old was I he? I don't think he did. How old would he be? He was born in 1990, no, 1988. So he's Carl's age. Oh, shit. Crazy story, man. Fucking nuts. Good one this week, Yeah, eh? very good. Yeah. That was... Um, eh? 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 Eh, everybody? Eh? <laughs> now about mine. I, now eh? that people are making comments on our Canadian accents, I'm, like, so over aware of every time I say eh. <laughs> I, do we say it a lot? Tell us if we I do. do. I know I do. I don't know if you... I, I'm going to start paying attention now, but I know I do a yeah. lot, eh? <laughs> eh. Time to get spooky, eh? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Um, this week I am going to talk about the Mothman. Oh shit! I was wondering if you were ever going to do it. Yeah. This one is, uh, it's kind of weird. I find it, like, really fucking weird, but it goes in, like, so many angles, so we're just gonna I don't know it. a whole lot about it. I just know it's kind of iconic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're gonna try to figure out if it's real, if it's just an urban legend, some folklore, a mutant bird. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll find <laughs> out. Um, so it all began on November 12th, 1966 in Clendon, West Virginia. There were five grave diggers who saw, and I quote, a man with wings flying above their heads. All five men saw it. Kenneth Duncan was one of those men. Um, he stated that the creature was flying through the trees and they had eyes on him for like the creature for about a minute. So they saw it like pretty well. Yeah. Um, and then on November 15th of the same year, um, near Point Pleasant, Virginia, two married couples were traveling along Route 62 at around 11.30 p.m. Apparently, it's, it's just like a straight road, so it's known for like drag racing, so I think that's what they were doing. <laughs> I, I thought of RuPaul drag racing for a second. <laughs> that's way better than what they were doing. <laughs> I'm almost too gay to function. <laughs> um. Uh, in the car was Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette. They ended up coming upon like a thing that was just standing in the middle of the road. They said it was a man with large wings that was about six or seven feet tall standing in the middle of the road. They also said it had red glowing eyes and they were two inches in diameter and six inches apart. I don't know how the fuck you managed they to measure it. I don't fucking know. <laughs> They managed to do that. <laughs> They're like, hold on and wait a minute. Just pause. Let me just get my, my ruler out. <laughs> Let me examine you. <laughs> and they're like, you know, the little cro- the creature's like, yeah, it's fine. Measure the fucking diameter between my eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. I don't know. The creature would also shy away from light as well. Um, so when they like would shine the light on it, its eyes would like go vibrant red. And But it would always try to get away from it. Um, so they quickly tried to get away from the creature, but it actually caught up and followed them. They said they were going as quickly as 100 miles an hour, and it kept up. So it was really fucking Was fast. it flying or walking? It was flying. Running. It was flying. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they, my next point, they also noted that the creature was extremely clumsy when it tried to run. Um, oh. Yeah. It ended up running off into a nearby field after chasing them. That's the last time they saw this creature. Oh, sorry. The last time they saw the creature during that, that incident was at the gate of C.C. Lewis Farm, which was on Route 62. So it ran into, like, the farm field. Um, mm-hmm. Roger Scarberry was quoted saying, and I quote, If I had seen it by myself, I wouldn't have said anything, but there were four of us who saw it. So they ended up going to the cops. Um around like 2 a.m to report the incident um it said that the the car like their car also had scratch marks on the top of it so when the creature flew over it like hit it and scratched it yeah um so the cops actually went to the area but didn't find any evidence like they went to go search it um the area that the two couples saw this mothman was in an area known as tnt area it's called a TNT area because there was an ammunition manufacturing facility there during Makes World War II. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Um, it was very top secret. It's like a very top secret government facility. So explosives were stored in bunkers and hid under the earth. Nuclear weapons were tested there. It was abandoned after the war. Um, that site currently is the McClinton Wildlife Management Area. It's like kind of like a reserve just to preserve wildlife. Okay. Um, but just a little like fact about this area. Um, this area was added to the federal list of hazard waste sites eligible for cleanup. And in May 2010, one of the bunkers that still contained 2,000 pounds of unstable materials just exploded. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, no one was hurt, though. But like, fucking clean up your shit. Like, what the fuck? Safety first, kids. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, 
The first newspaper reporting of the Mothman was posted the following day on November 16, 1966. The headline reads, and I quote, Couples see man-sized bird, creature, something. That was, that was the headline. <laughs> Is this why you were looking at all the old news articles? Yeah. I got so distracted. <laughs> news articles from the 60s are fucking wild, man. Let me tell you. So poorly written. <laughs> so brutal. Absolutely brutal. So after this initial reported sighting, at least eight more people reported seeing this creature within three days from that, that first sighting. Oh, wow. Yep. An Ohio newspaper ended up coining the name The Mothman. So that's where, like, it got its name was this anonymous mm-hmm. newspaper. Um, within the next year, there was about 100 reported sightings, and all eyewitnesses, all eyewitness accounts said the same thing, had huge wings, about six to seven feet tall, and glowing red eyes. It was the huge talk of the town that year, obviously. Um, so many stories and witness statements were posted in the newspapers. Um, people actually went out hunting for this mothman. Like oh, wow. groups of people. I was watching. Did they bring a net or guns? Not guns. They brought guns. <laughs> it's a f- I would have brought a net. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those like butterfly nets. Yeah. Like a human's. I mean, they're in Virginia, so obviously they're going to fucking. Yeah, guns. Guns. Um, but I was watching this one video, and one of the guys, he was a kid at this time, and he says, like, at one point, like, the streets were like, you couldn't even get through them. Like, you'd go try to drive down the street, and there'd be so many cars parked by, like, the TNT site hunting for this fucking Mothman. It came like a like a tourist attraction almost. It does, yeah, it does. It's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. So people started believing this Mothman lived in the vacant power plant in one of the boilers. Um, they said that the boilers have like pigeons living in them, except for this one boiler. So they s- just assume the Mothman lives there. They're like pigeons don't live there, so this fucker does. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Um, and this all kind of leads up. So. All of these witness statements were reported within, like, that year. But then this brings me to the Silver Bridge incident. So 13 months after the first witness statement that exploded the story of the Mothman, on December 15, 1967, the Silver Bridge that was connecting Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to Gallupus, Ohio, collapsed. The bridge wasn't built with literally any thought into the future. It was built in 1928. Um, unfortunately, it was basically built to collapse, so whoever designed it, you fucking suck. <laughs> Sorry, but you do. They just wanted to get across at one time, and they left it there. Yeah, like, fuck it. Um, on that day, December 15th, a single eye bar on the top of the bridge on the Ohio side cracked. The chain snapped, and the bridge fell. Cars and pedestrians fell into the icy water below. 31 vehicles fell into the river. 46 people died. Um, oh, wow. 64 people actually fell into the river and only 46 Holy shit. and or sorry and 46 people died yeah two people fell into the river they were never found oh wow yeah i was reading one re- i've never heard of that yeah i was repeat rep- uh, wow i was reading one report and this guy he they were pretty young i think his wife was only like 19 years old um and she was driving and he was in the passenger seat and they just had they had like their 17th month old or 18 month old daughter or son in the back seat and their car went into the river he was pulled from the river and saved and they found his wife and his kids uh six weeks after Aww. in the river yeah that's so sad so fucking sad yeah um so the mothman legend pretty much seized after this incident um people didn't want to talk about the mothman anymore um just because of everything that was going on and people kind of were like that's not that important anymore right (laughs) we're over it we're over it um that was until john keel an author and paranormal like ufo enthusiast wrote a book called mothman prophecies in this book he suggested that the bridge collapse was the work of the mothman he stated that all the sightings of the year prior were not a coincidence. Some people started saying that they saw the Mothman on the bridge days before it collapsed. Um, and some people say that the Mothman was actually like a warning sign where it was like warning you that this was going to fucking happen. Whereas others say the Mothman's actually an omen of death. So he showed up okay. for that year to be like, yo, you all going to die. Um, Damn. Yeah. So now this book 
caused this folklore legend to go from locals telling stories in Point Pleasant to a literal national story. So everyone yeah. everyone around the world was talking about the Mothman after this. The town was ga- uh, gaining huge attraction. People from the ra- around the world were visiting. The book obviously was o- obviously made into a movie. It has Richard Gere in it. <laughs> I, I, I've seen it. It's, it's really fucking creepy. I haven't seen it. It, it actually is kind of fucking creepy. It came out in 2002, I think. Yeah, 2002. Um, is it like, this is a stupid question. Is it a horror movie? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's pretty suspenseful. I didn't know if it was like documentary style, no. not documentary style, but like a mockumentary maybe. No, no, it's like a horror oh. movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So people also went as far to say the Mothman was seen like before Chernobyl, and was oh, fuck. <laughs> this 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 is the real kicker. Um. And also in the smoke during the Twin Tower attacks. <gasps> Whoa, I've never seen that, and I'm, like, a huge conspiracy theory mm-hmm. nerd when it comes to the Twin Tower attacks. Yeah. I'm not going to get into my conspiracies, because I'm sure it's going to offend someone. Yeah. But I've never seen that. i got to look into that after this. You do. The town now has a Mothman museum. They also have a Mothman <laughs> festival that I believe started the same... Fuck off. Yeah. The same time of the movie, the 2002. Um, and then in 2003, they had a statue placed of the Mothman. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's so funny that it starts off like scary and mysterious and they've just turned it into a fucking novelty yeah. like, apparently the town has like every year like thousands upon thousands of people visit and they gain like two million dollars in just this week of the festival so i mean like wow. fucking exploit it if you want if you're gonna make that kind of money you know what i mean damn yeah. <laughs> yep they also have like a 24-hour live footage of the statue so i actually checked it out um, and when I was viewing it, there was, like, four other people watching it. And I'm like, I'm not the only one. But also, it's <laughs> terrible fucking quality. It's trash. So, it's... A, Lame. Yeah, it's pretty bummer. Um, and then this year, which is kind of funny, um, someone started a petition to replace all the Confederate statues in the U.S. <gasps> with that. the Mothman. <laughs> yeah. I'm down. I will sign that petition. <laughs> right? Also, can we put Haley Williams on one of them, too? Because... She- oh, my God. Yeah, someone said that. Or uh, Dolly Parton. Yeah. <laughs> Dolly, yes, I'm down for Dolly. Real legends only. Yeah. Um, so the most recent sighting of the Mothman was in November of 2016, um, where a guy got a photo of the Mothman, and I use this term very loosely. Um, the photo is, it looks like a Mothman flying in the sky, but it looks fake to me. Gotcha. I and it's 2016, yeah. and that's like totally possible now yeah it was like in the 60s i'd believe the photo a little bit more yeah like the person it looks like someone with a big wings on just floating in the sky go it's, look at it and like uh when you get the halloween costume yeah. like the bumblebee wing yeah <laughs> it's like it just like parachuted out of the fucking tree or something but like it seems fake to me but like look it up determine it de- wow determine for yourself if you think it's fake or if it's real but the person that like f- did the photo didn't want to be interviewed and, like, they didn't want to do video interviews with the person and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It was just really weird. Sounds fake. Yeah. Um, between 2011 and 2017, there was 55 reported sightings that matched the Mothman description in Chicago. Oh. Yeah. He moved. Yeah. He just up and left. He's like, screw these guys. I'm going over here. Um, so I'm just going to jump into some theories now. Um, so one theory is Curse of Cornstalk. So, some people believe that the Mothman had something to do with the legend of the Curse of Cornstalk. So, Chief Cornstalk was the leader of the Shawnee Nation. Um, Chief Cornstalk and his men fought against the colonial troops in Point Pleasant Battle of 1774. It's said that with his dying breaths, Chief Cornstalk cursed the town for 200 years. And some people believe that the Mothman, Mothman was sent to terrorize Point Pleasant by the chief himself interesting i'm pretty sure if like if he did curse the land i don't think he sent a mothman after you guys no i feel like it'd be something like you can't grow crops there yeah. you know what i mean like it, just to fuck with the town more than anything yeah. yeah and the reason why i was watching um oh my god what's it called it's like storied or so storied or something it's on youtube it's like a pbs show but they they had a video of it. it's like 20 minutes long go read it or go watch it sorry it's actually really good <laughs> they found that in a playwright in 2006 they found a playwright in like some school in the town and so people say that's where the curse story began it was like written into a play and people just ran with it 
So Weird. the court, they don't think the curse actually happened. They just think it's fake now. But who knows? Um, another theory is a sandhill crane. So some scientists believe that the Mothman is actually a large sandhill crane. <laughs> yep. <laughs> sandhill, That's funny. Right? <laughs> Sandhill cranes have red feathers around its eyes, giving that, like, creepy red eye look. However, it's not as tall as what people are reporting of, like, the Mothman. So the Sandhill crane is about four feet tall, not the six to seven feet this Mothman is supposed to be. Yeah. Between 2017 and 2019, there was reported of about 28 Sandhill cranes spotted in that area. Um, It's not a massive number because they're not native to that area. Um, but they have been seen there, so it could be a theory. It's possible. It's a pos- It's possible. The next one makes a little bit more sense to me, um, kind of, and I'll explain why. Um, the barred owl. So scientists have also suggested that the Mothman is actually a barred owl. The one thing that was common in everyone's witness statements was that the Mothman is when the light hits the creature's eyes, they were like vibrant red. So mm-hmm. with owls, when you shine a light on their eyes, they do have that reflective red color. Mm-hmm. Um, but barred owls, their eyes are like vibrant red. Like as soon as you hit the light, it's like a red circle. It's just all Interesting. red. Yeah. But are they six feet tall? <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> so they have this crimson eye shine. So bl- they have a bunch of blood vessels around the eye. So when the light hits it, that's what like you see. Um, so that would fit the description of the Mothman. They also have silent flight. So that also matches the Mothman. Oh. Cause they always said that they don't hear the Mothman flying. He's very silent. So they have the same, but then again, it's not six to seven feet fucking tall. It's an owl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to but to be devil's be a pretty big owl. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but to be devil's advocate, a lot of these sightings of the Mothman was at night, and at night it's easy to misjudge how big or tall something is. Like your eyes like misjudge the yeah the way you see depth. it. Yeah, the depth of it. So especially if you're on your road on the road and like it's like pitch black. That could play a factor. So something you think is, like, six feet tall really isn't fucking six feet tall. Especially if it's, like, sitting on something. You have no idea. So Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. That, that's what I was thinking is, like, if it is this owl thing, like, maybe it was on, like, a hanging tree branch or something that made it look like it was mm-hmm. six feet tall, but it was really just sitting on something high up. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yep. The next theory is mutant birds, because why not? Why not, right? Yeah. I actually kind of believe this. So another theory is that the toxic waste from the TNT area and that secret base that made all these, like, nuclear weapons actually leaked out into the wilderness around it. And within the creeks and, like, it went into, like, the creeks and the ravines. So people think that maybe the owl mutated and is larger than it's supposed to be. So it is this owl, but just, like the x-men version exactly it just like i like that theory i like that it has like some toxic chemicals in it like chernobyl and instead of no i like that a lot that kind of that one makes sense like makes the Mm -hmm. most sense so far because like it has all the characteristics of this owl but also owls aren't six feet tall exactly no it makes i like this one i also sticking with it i also like the next one this one i found really fucking interesting because there's a lot of things that go on that is this and that's mass hysteria so ah yeah. yeah so mass hysteria this is straight from the dictionary so and i quote it's a condition affecting a group of persons characterized by excitement or anxiety irrational behavior or beliefs or inexplicable symptoms of illness so it's like if you have a headache and you google your symptoms and now you're dying of brain cancer yeah that's kind of like what it is so once this one person, like those four, pe- the couple, those four people reported on the Mothman sighting. Now everyone's starting to see it. It's in all of the newspapers. Yeah. Everyone's covering it. And then with the bridge collapse and where people reporting the Mothman is like associated with it, your brain gets kind of like conditioned to be like, yeah. now people are scared of it. And now they don't want to talk about the Mothman because now he's an omen of death. Well, and to, to sort of bring it into like real life a little bit with the whole COVID thing, mm-hmm. Uh, I was not worried at all in the first week or two, like back in March, whatever, not worried at all. But then people at work started talking and talking and talking and I started to get more and more anxious and I lost my damn mind over it. I like snapped at work one day and was like, fuck this. I'm going home. Yeah. And then that's mass hysteria. Exactly. And social media is a big culprit 
of mass yeah. hysteria. They, That's not to say that COVID is fake or anything. I'm just saying no. that it made me hysterical. Yeah. To like it freaks <laughs> hear all the, the gossiping and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's literally a condition that you're like people around you if you keep talking about it you're gonna start to think that this is actually happening to yeah you. so just some examples of mass hysteria because this dates back to like the 1500s the early 1500s yeah. so the dancing plague in 1518 so one person started dancing and then all of a sudden the whole fucking town started dancing <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing it's it's a there are we are we making a buffy reference again yeah <laughs> people think it's that um it was stress-induced mass hysteria because I think they were going through, like, famine then. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, the Salem witch trials. Mass hysteria. Yep. UFO sightings are considered to be part of it. The 2016 clown sightings. <laughs> that's part of mass hysteria. I forgot about that. Yeah. If you guys don't remember, in 2016, there was killer clowns just showing up everywhere in cities. Knives. And just standing there being fucking creepy. And everyone started thinking that clowns were all out to kill everybody. Yeah. And that's fucking mass hysteria. Oh my god, that was wild. Yeah. And then COVID-19 is also mass hysteria. So, But yeah, yeah, that's it, that's a valid theory. Yeah. I, I, I have a theory. Can I share a theory? Or are we... Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I didn't know if you had more on no, your no, list. that's it um so my theory i've noticed that two things mentioned revolved around nuclear activity you said chernobyl and the other place so like i was thinking maybe it was someone who like maybe worked in the nuclear facility or worked at the tnt place or something and sort of you know avenged himself (laughs) yeah spider-man himself with an owl or something you know what i mean like he he fell into something that's my theory is that it's more of like a human mutant yeah type thing thing there's also i'm like, still leaning on the spooky side though yeah fuck you mass hysteria <laughs> and like the when the that top secret military base was a thing they got people in the town to be working at this place but it was so top secret all of like the buildings they their windows were all blacked out so they would oh, wow. they would send a bus to go pick up the people in town bring them there drop them off at the exact point they're supposed to be and then pick them up and haul them back out they were only allowed to be in that one spot so it was extremely top secret so what the fuck were you guys doing over there u.s government making mothman apparently apparently (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i like the the mutant bird type of thing person yeah i i'm i'm feeling some sort of nuclear mutation of some sort that's that's my vibe i'm getting i'm pretty that's interesting i actually like i knew what the mothman was but i i didn't know any of its history yeah. so that was that was fine it's kind of fucking nuts and like the whole town's obviously profiting off of it like the festival yeah. this year was canceled because covid Aww. another mass hysteria but like not <laughs> not in the sense that it's not real more is like everyone's thinking i think it's more of the sense that the stupid people out there that think it's not a thing <laughs> it, for me it's it's um it swayed my opinion on it so i'll say that so like i i do believe covid is a very real thing but i personally for me don't believe it's a huge risk for me as a person but hearing all these people in the office talking made me feel like i was about to die yeah you know what i mean like it so it went from me being well if i get it i'll be fine or i probably won't ever even get it which still to this day do not have but um it went from that to like oh my god everyone around me is gonna die Mm -hmm. you know what i mean just because people talking and stuff and now everyone's like everything's opening up we're fine we're fine we're fine and now our numbers are going back up so people have now conditioned their brain to think everything's fine again yeah yeah and that's like the whole f- social media is trash i'm sorry but fuck it is it's ruining people's it is. lives it really is it has pros and cons if you read the cons way out the pros <laughs> if you read the newspaper from the 60s man the things they had to put in there there was like a lost and found yeah because they didn't have the interwebs to be like i lost this help me find it <laughs> i remember seeing like lost and founds like our newspapers and stuff like that i remember seeing that but at the same time we still had like tv and stuff but like back then yeah it was more popular to read in the newspapers so it's kind of crazy well, do you remember uh that w- it used to be a thing where people would like what is it called like misconnections or whatever they would write to the newspaper be like i went to the grocery store saw this girl with brown hair didn't get her name put this in the newspaper and tell her i love her yeah and they put like their phone number be like if you were a brown haired girl in this grocery store call me (laughs) absolutely crazy how times have changed yeah but then also i mean to play again devil's advocate and basically throw myself under the bus salem (laughs) witch trials you didn't have fucking social media back then so nope you still traveled pretty fast on that one yeah so yeah that is the mothman
That was fun. This was a good one. We're killing it lately. Not to toot our own horn, but toot toot. (laughs) Uh, If you want more of us, which I don't know why you do, but thank you for wanting more. Yeah, we appreciate it. (laughs) Come hang out with us. Uh, We have social media. We have an Instagram. It's a spooky hour podcast. We have Twitter, which is spooky hour, which we're actually fucking using now. So you're all welcome. Yeah. Oh, shout out. I should have written a list. I'll do that maybe for next week. Um, All of the little podcasts who have reached out to us on Twitter because twitter's hard (laughs) we appreciate your help but maybe i'll put together a list next week we'll figure it out thank you we love you and then you can email us at the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com and i think that's all the social media i got for you today a couple people said they have queen mary stories for us i want those email us we actually got a lot of like hits on that one and like we want your stories we just want to like live in your shoes for like two seconds tell us your story you can't physically go there right now so we're gonna live through you we just just email please yeah (laughs) we envy you guys so much but yeah on that note happy monday guys enjoy the rest of your week yeah i'm gonna spend my friday night reading midnight sun because yeah (gasps) we got midnight sun i forgot about that guys if you were slash are twihards and are reading midnight sun reach out to us let's talk yeah let's be friends i text holly (laughs) and was like should i repaint my wall You should. should. You should do it when Stuart's not home. (laughs) He's going to come home like the first wall he sees Twilight. I'll put all my posters back up. It's going to be fine. Great. We're reverting back to 2010 and no one can stop us. I'm cutting my hair into a mullet. Yeah. And with that. I love it. Stay spooky, friends. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye.